I want to ask if you will turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. That's a, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to his young apprentice, to his um, young pastor who was serving in um, the city of Ephesus. Um, I'm going to be looking at a few verses there and to launch us in a new series um, called Rhythms of Grace. Um, uh, there's a book by that title. Um, I assure you, this, this, while the sermons um, may have some connection with the particular book, and it's a great book, um, this comes from my own meditations on Scripture. You know, we enter a new year, and I, I think most of us in here uh, want to grow this year. Uh, I, I, I haven't yet met anybody who decided that they didn't want to grow, that they were, you know, at a good enough place where they didn't need to change. Um, I haven't met anybody like that yet anyway. Um, and my guess is you're, you're here because at some level, unless you're here purely out of tradition or out of obligation, you're here because you believe this is a piece of, of that change. And, and, and gathering together as God's church, his people, is, is part of the rhythm that God has called us out into in terms of life. And what I'd like to do um, over the course of this week and the next three weeks is talk about uh, those, those important rhythms that God has designed for us by which we grow as Christians. Um, a rhythm is just a regular, repeated pattern, right? Uh, or another way of talking about it is, uh, is a spiritual habit or, or a discipline of, of grace. And that's what we're going to be looking at, um, beginning this morning with just looking at why it's important on a very general level. But before I get into uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, let me just tell you where we're headed. Um, this morning, I already said, it's just about like, kind of laying out the importance of it in general, these rhythms of grace in your life. Um, next week, we're going to look at um, rhythms as a, as a family, right? as we gather together as a church to worship, and there should be certain rhythms in our worship. We're going to talk about that. And then after that, we're going to talk about week three, how tradition from the church plays a part in that rhythm. And then we're going to conclude with, uh, with, a, with a message on the private rhythms, that is private worship that, that we should be doing daily as, as a people if we're to grow. So that's where we're headed. And this morning we begin with just kind of laying out what it, why is it important? Why is it important for us to have these regular patterns of life, um, spiritual disciplines or, or um, habits? Let me take you to the scripture first. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. These are the instructions of Paul to his, his young pastor who he is to pass on to the church. If you put these things before the brothers, that is before the leaders and before the church, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed, having nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness uh, is of value in every way as it holds out promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This, the saying is is trustworthy and deserving of, of full acceptance. Right smack dab in the middle of that passage behind me, he talks about training. Um, train yourself for godliness. That is, we are to establish and maintain like a, a rigorous training or education of ourselves. In fact, that word train itself um, talks about a, a, like a vigorous kind of, of training or to, um, to use a, a definition from a, from a Greek lexicon, to experience vigorous training and control with the implication of increased physical and or moral strength. So it's not haphazard. It's not 
I'll do it once in a while. It's not, nonchal- it's, it's not nonchalant. It's, it's an a intense commitment to something. And the, the verb tense tells us that, and the, actually the definition of the word as well, it's to be a con- constant, continuous thing. It's not to stop. We're not to rest from doing this. So th- these are the, this is the exhortation that Paul is giving Timothy. Don't stop training yourself. Don't stop this vigorous, repeated pattern of your life. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And this is the apostle of grace who's telling us, if we're going to grow in grace, then we have to be intensely and repeatedly committed to these rhythms, um, these spiritual habits that God has designed for us and by which we grow. But notice it's in a particular purpose. It's train yourself for godliness. And that is um, that our our lives would reflect... um, how God would have us live, that our, our lives would be ordered by the character of God, that our lives would be ordered by the word of God, that we would begin to reflect the character of God and, to be more specific, the person of Christ. It's just a growing in, in, in God-likeness. That's a little bit of what we talked about last week, to be holy as God himself is holy. That's, 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 that's our pursuit. That's where we're supposed to go. And, 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 and we make progress as we train ourselves as we um, carry out those spiritual habits, day in, day out, never stopping. I don't know what kind of spiritual habits you have, but I'm hoping that as we enter a new year, either you'll be um, reminded of the importance of them, encouraged if you're doing them, or if you're not, uh, maybe this is something that needs to be set in motion in your life. Uh, is the, the establishment of these, these rhythms, you know? The, the rhythm is important for everything, right? Your engine doesn't run without rhythms. Athletics doesn't happen without rhythms. Music, dancing, farming. I mean, the, God has created the universe full of these patterns and rhythms by which things are, are formed and renewed. I mean, you have the tides ebbing in and out. That's a rhythm that, that, that scientists say is necessary for healthy oceans. And you have the rhythm of the waning and the waxing of the moon and how it affects the planet. And you have your heart right now beating in a rhythm to keep you alive. That's, that's how important um, rhythms are. Um, the establishment of spiritual habits in life. Now, at this point, I think someone probably will feel a bit of an um, agitation, or maybe it's just a question. How, how, how is it, how is it that Paul can say here, train yourself, like repeatedly, intensely, rigorously in life for the sake of godliness, and not default into this doing it with my own strength? Or how can he say train yourself, again, vigorous training, so that you can become more godly without contradicting Galatians 3.3, which says that we can't perfect ourselves by our own strength. Right? You feel there's tension here. Is he telling us to do it, give our effort to it, at the same time he tells us elsewhere, you can't do it. Which is it, Paul? Right? Tell me to do it, and I can't do it. Well, here, let me take you to, like, the source of all of these spiritual habits, the driving center of all of these spiritual habits that makes it distinctively Christian and which resolves the tension between Paul telling us to do it, but by the way, you can't do it in your own strength. If you back up to verse 6, 
you'll notice he says, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ, being trained. Same English word, different Greek word. By the way, the one that later one, I, I failed to mention, down in verse 7, same word from which we get the word gymnasium, which means you work out hard. But the one that we just read right there in verse 6 is a different one, which means nourishing yourself, or actually to feed upon. So he's basically feed upon or nourish or train in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. When he says words of faith, of the faith, faith there, the faith refers to the gospel, talks about good doctrine, he's talking about um, a sound understanding of the good news itself with Christ and his work at the center, the cross and the resurrection. That comes before, notice, him saying, now train yourself to be godly. In other words, I believe, and this is reflected in the rest of the New Testament, that godly rhythms must be rooted in the gospel itself. That is, you know, there's nothing we're supposed to be practicing that does not come from um, a fresh faith in and understanding of and realization of how the life, death, and resurrection and the future coming of Jesus um, is to be realized in life. Because only then are our motivations correct. If it comes from a different place, then our motivations are not correct and we're, we're operating in a strength that doesn't come from the cross. It doesn't come from Christ. So part of, and I'd say the central driving part of this spiritual discipline or, or habits is this constant taking in, training, nourishing ourselves on the gospel itself, like carefully and prayerfully and consistently reading, meditating, reflecting on the truth in such a way that it begins to saturate into us. Generally speaking, most of us are kind of hard-hearted. I know I am. I don't get things instantaneously. It takes time and repetition for the truth to actually get deep enough that it begins to unlock and um, free, heal my heart and your heart. Because it's really easy for the water of the gospel to just slide right off of your heart. You can understand it with your head, but, but then to really understand how it impacts your heart is a much different thing. And it takes time and it takes repetition. It takes prayerfully asking God, how does, this, how does this speak to me? How does this heal me way down deep? And I'll tell you, the, um, careful, prayerful, repeated, rhythmic Meditation on the gospel itself, on the perfect life of Christ that was lived for us and that we couldn't live for ourselves and the sacrificial substitutionary atonement of Jesus, the death that he died for us to take away our guilt. And then, of course, the victory of the resurrection. Like, those, those truths about what, who Christ is and what he's done has the capacity to speak to you and your heart and deal with you with power at the deepest levels. At our deepest levels of fear. Um, 
our lovelessness, our struggles with anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. It deals with us there at the heart of hearts. Uh, it, 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 it provides answers, deep answers to questions like, why is it that men keep going back to the pornographic websites over and over and over again? And where does ultimate release come from? Does it just come from an accountability software, or does it come from something much deeper? Um, how do you fight this deep-down depression that has you or compels you to go out and do things you wouldn't normally do, whether it's eating too much or whether it's spending too much? I'm telling you, the gospel, the words of faith, taken in, has the capacity to deal with you at that deepest level and bring transformation and change from the inside out. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just a, uh, theorizing here. I, this, this is me. I, 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 I've experienced how it speaks to me deep down. And you know what? I mean, like some of you, I've known the gospel a long time. I don't know how many times I've read through the Bible, but I've studied it a lot. And sometimes it's just... Some of the breakthroughs when he takes the gospel and speaks into my heart are, are surprisingly um, late in life. <laughs> I had a breakthrough where, again, this gospel, which is, again, the driving force behind our habits and also the main subject of our habits, spiritual habits, where, you know, somewhere in my life, People gave me the impression that I wasn't a loving person. I got that? And I came to believe that about myself because of the impressions that they gave me. Do you follow? It's like someone giving you the impression, ah, he's not a loving person. I've had that influence in my life. And I have at some level believed that influence in my life. So... What happens when your own self-perception is that you're not a loving person? Or it could be you're not a joyful person or not a kind person, whatever it is. Well, you try and love people more, right? You act in loving ways. But you're acting in those loving ways to prove either to people or to yourself that you're a loving person. You follow? It's like... I don't believe I'm a loving person, so now I'm going to love people so I can prove to myself and everybody else I'm loving. And that's not love. It's a self-centered, selfish form that looks like love but isn't love. So how is, how is that performance-driven, self-centered approach to acting in love broken? Coming to the place of realizing that apart from Listen, apart from a close, intimate union with Jesus, who is love and loved perfectly, who never reacted in his darkest hour, never flipped the bird at the Romans or Judas, Beloved people to the very end, that's love, and it's only as I am united to the one who perfectly loved on my behalf, Realizing that apart from him, I will never love anybody. But apart from him, I will always do actions that look like love driven by self. 
But when I come to the realization, apart from you, I will not be a loving, I am not a loving person, but thanks be to God that someone who is love came and laid down his life for me. You know what that, that happens? What, what happens when that, that, that transformation begins to take place? You stop being living in prison. You stop being driven by a, the desire to prove either to other people or to yourself that you're something that you're not. And then comes the ability to just love people without trying to self-justify. And then you can laugh. You say, that's, what I'm telling you is just, that, that's, that's how deep the gospel, as we take it in constantly, over and over and over again, either through sermons or, or through reading or meditating or iPod, uh, uh, podcast, whatever. It's, it's powerful. And that's, that's the, 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 um, the driving center of, of these um, rhythms has to be from the gospel centered on Christ and what he's done for us and, and in all of his uh, love and grace. So that's, that's, the, that's where it must be centered, rooted in the gospel itself. By the way, this is interesting. Even in just what I just said, my own example, we don't, we're not, we shouldn't be motivated by I'm strong enough to do these spiritual habits. It's actually quite the opposite. It's not because we're strong that we constantly, perpetually, rigorously train ourselves to be godly. It's actually out of our weakness our need, our crying need. It's like, I, I, okay, I, I can't love people by myself. So where am I going to go over and over and over again to find the strength to be who I'm supposed to be? It's out of weakness. It's out of desperation. It's out of the realization that I can't that you come over and over and over again. Uh, a, a homeless man who walks down the street to get bread He walks down the street not because he's strong, but because he's hungry and weak. We come to these things because through them, we have access to the grace of God and God himself, the true source of our power and strength. We come weak. Is it really not until you realize how weak you are that you start actually saying, "I, I I have to do this. And finally, I hope you're sensing this is important. For yourself, not just because I say it, but because right here, I hope you know it's important because you're not as strong as you think you are. You're actually weaker than you think you are. But notice the benefit of this. I always want to talk about benefits. What, what, is, what is the benefit of, of this? It brings that out too. That is, it, it, it benefits all of life. Um, look at verse 8. He says, while bodily training is of some value, and actually in the original it says of little value. It's some value, but, you know, it's, if you're spending three hours at the gym and five minutes in the scripture, that's, something's way off. Um, but he says godliness, godliness that comes from training 
is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. In every way. It's like if, if these habits become regular in your life, these become the, the rhythms that you are grounded in the scripture and become part of your everyday fabric. It's going to affect everything. It's going to benefit every part of your life, emotionally, rationally, even physically, maritally, parentally, work-wise, your attitudes. It's going to affect it all. And not just for some future time, but he says for the present life, right here, right now, it's going to have an impact. There's no promise that you're going to get rich off of this. There's no promise that you're going to be healed from your cancer from doing this. But he does say that it is of benefit in every way in this present life and the life to come. So why wouldn't you want to do it? And here's the flip side. The failure as a believer to have, be, to have this vigorous commitment to these spiritual habits is going to leave you in a place where you will be driven by the self. You will be self-centered. You will be frustrated. And you will be a horrible example of a Christian. I cannot tell you. No, I, I can tell you. The people that I've met over the past couple decades who's, who have made choices that have led to disastrous consequences and, and they find themselves in my office. Christians either on the edge of divorce or, or worse. I met with people who wanted to get abortions on the edge of divorce. And, and when I ask the simple question, can you just tell me a little bit about what your daily relationship with the Lord looks like? Do you have spiritual habits in your life where you are communing with God through prayer and meditation upon the, the scripture, the gospel? And without exception, I can't think of one. The answer was all, always no, or we let it go. It's, it's like a, a, you know, a, a solar panel thinking it's going to have power if there's no sun. Or a windmill thinking it can do anything if there's no wind. We are dependent upon the grace of God communicated through certain means to be healthy, vibrant, strong Christians. And they are communicated through these rhythms of life, these habits, these spiritual disciplines. So I, again, I encourage you, look at benefits in every way. But here let me just deal with one roadblock, and then that's, that's it. One of the biggest things, I think, I don't want to say biggest, because I've, I've, there's a number of roadblocks to us um, establishing and, and maintaining these spiritual rhythms in life centered in the gospel. One of them is just simple impatience. Uh, we are formed, whether you like it or not, by our culture. And we have moved quickly, um, at exponential rates towards a faster and faster and faster um, productivity. We, we want to lose weight. We expect to get on the scale after one day of exercise and drop something. <laughs> Doesn't work that way, right? 
We expect to, to grow wise or smart after reading one book rather than understanding that a mind is formed and wisdom is gained over a lifetime of study. You know, commercials on the, on the, on the television that make fun of the slow skis in effort to get us to subscribe to Comcast because we want something quicker. Um, computer gets too slow, you get upset, throw it across the room, get a different one. That's the world in which we live. People want immediate results now. And we bring that same expectation when it comes to the formation of Christian character and the, and the, and the Christian heart. And the fact of the matter is that the heart and character is formed over time and through repetition. Like everything else in the world, really, that, that's good, formed over time. Oak trees don't grow overnight. Diamonds are not made overnight. Christian character is not formed overnight. And you know what? It's, it's formed as a, as a cumulative result. Very important word. A cumulative result of by faith exercising these spiritual disciplines, these habits, these rhythms over and over and over and over again. You can't be impatient because God is doing something even when you can't see it. Uh, R.C. Sproul wrote a uh, a nice little essay on this. It's not even an essay. It's an article. Last month, where he expressed it in words better than I can say. He said, we're tempted to look for the simple path, the quick answer, the effortless way forward. But there is none. <laughs> no shortcuts. Sanctification or that process by which we are made more holy, more like Christ, more godly, requires diligently attending, this is a reform guy talking about diligently attending to the means God has given to us. The growth may be slow, almost imperceptible at times in the best words, but it is sure. It's going to happen. Not overnight, but over a lifetime. And that should be encouraging to us. So here, here we are, 2017. You know, what do the rhythms of your life look like? Um, you already get up in the morning and take a shower. That's probably part of your rhythm. If it's not, it should be. <laughs> Brush your teeth. <laughs> eat some food. Read your newspaper. If you have time for that stuff. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, it's just, if you want to see a character formed into the image of Christ, give your heart repeatedly, regularly, and vigorously um, to spiritual habits. Amen? Now I pray, Lord, that you would Take these words and in your own way, which only you can do, um, impress it upon the hearts of each person here who's a Christian that this needs to be happening. But Lord, I, I just pray you'd protect against the, the response of a legalistic heart that tries to do it in our own strength that isn't motivated by the grace of Christ. And so I ask God just um, whatever level of illumination um, we need so that we can pursue these things driven by grace and, and by um, the goodness of, of, of Christ, I, I pray that you would make that so, just so that we can train ourselves, but train ourselves in a way that finds strength not in us, but in you.